Blog Talk Radio. Saturday morning, my name is Tom Mark Wessel, Presidente. Welcome aboard over the next two hours. I'll guide you through this crazy world of sports. Got a great show lined up for you. Standing by in the balance screen room is Matthew Hicks, a longtime Indianapolis local radio guy. Also, super uh, Browns fan, super Buckeyes fan. He's back after a short hi- hiatus, our college football co-pilot. Adam Jividen joins us as well. Guys, let's jump right into things. They also, we've got uh, NASCAR uh, down in Martinsville, Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, and Steve, well, uh, Steve uh, Ed, I can't even talk today, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, uh, joins <laughs> us to walk around the NFL, but let's get things started. We'll start with you, Matthew. Matthew, welcome back to The Balance. It's been a while. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Good to have you along. And uh, Adam Jividen, back after a hi- hiatus in our college football co-pilot. Rick can't join us today as he has to work. We, ha- we all have real jobs, uh, Adam. So how you doing, sir? I'm doing good, Tom. I was sick for a little while and uh, some had some family things that we had to take care of, but it's yeah. good to be back. It's always good to be back. Well, guys, let's just get right into this, and we'll start uh, with let's just start with the Colts, and when we'll, we'll I know you're in Indianapolis, Adam, but you're a Browns fan. But let's start with the Colts. We'll start with you, Matthew. This has been a story of ups and downs and ebbs and flows. Insert the adjective here uh, with the Colts. But what a great win! I mean, even though it was a small score and it was in a cyclone. As we call the show, show today, uh, the, the Cyclone win. I, I tell you what, I, I don't care who who would have played in that game. I give you, I give respects for that. You, you ever seen the meme? It's raining sideways. Well, that's what it, that's what it was doing. Matthew, as, as you look at the Colts as, as we get ready for the Titans tomorrow, what are your thoughts? Um, uh, excuse me. Uh, very interesting matchup tomorrow. Uh, for the Colts uh, in, in the sense of it's a game that means entirely so much more to the Colts than it does the Titans. The Titans can, in all reality, the Titans can lose that game by 100 tomorrow, still have a game lead in the division, and with some luck, still nail down the tiebreaker. So this game means everything for Indianapolis. Uh, must win? Yeah, pretty much. I don't get into that early before you're officially eliminated, but with the way the wild cards are shaping up, I don't yep. think, I, I don't think I see a path to the playoffs for the Colts tomorrow, unless they win that game. And I, I must say, I think injuries, you know, are out the window. Every team has to deal with injuries. Um, sometimes you get more of the lion's share than other teams, but 
the reality of it is, is you're going to have, at this point, your starting quarterback for every game. And, no, he wasn't healthy for every game, but he did start. Um, so you can throw the excuses out the window. The expectation for this team was to make the playoffs. And if they lose tomorrow, they're going to have a very hard time making the playoffs. You're absolutely right about that. And I mean, I, I'm always nervous when it comes to the Colts, but especially when it comes to the way things have been playing. Adam, the last time the Colts faced the Tennessee Titans was like 33, 35 days ago. And we know Carson Wentz was very limited in the pocket because he had two sprained ankles. Um, and and, and uh, Darius Leonard was having some issues. So Matt brings up an interesting point. Those things are now behind us. I mean, uh, <clears throat> Because Carson, excuse me, I, I've got that fall stuff going on in my throat. Too much information, I know. Uh, but Carson Wentz, Adam, is playing some of his best football, really, and one would argue in years. And, you know, Darius Leonard says he's, you know, over 80, 88, 85% uh, ready to go. Those are two key players on both sides of the line that we need to, to come together. And I, I know that the Titans have some injuries as well. Uh, but, man, the Titans are going to be hard to, to deal with. What are your thoughts there, Adam? I'm down here, buddy. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think uh, I, I think the Colts having went healthy, it looks like he's starting to get into a rhythm with with what Frank Reich is trying to do on offense. Uh, the biggest question for Wentz is not necessarily his talent; it's always been his decision making. I've never seen a dude get so many interceptions on a shovel pass in my life. Uh, it's just yeah. Things like that, where where he'll panic in the pocket if there's something that's going on around him, and the more that he's feeling comfortable, the more that the line is able to give him protection, he has shown that he can he can move the ball, um, especially within this offensive structure that Reich has put together. But I think that's that's going to be the key for the Colts moving forward is not necessarily like can Carson move the ball it. Can Carson avoid the really dumb mistakes that he has kind of had at different points, whether it's here or in his tenure in Philadelphia? Matthew, the obvious uh, person in in the room is Derrick Henry. Um, And, you know, a lot of people compare him to Derrick Brown. I don't know. Uh, But Derrick Henry is the guy on the field that the Colts have to pay attention to. Uh, yeah, yeah. How does that? How do they stop? It? How do they? How do they contend or, or contain uh, Derrick Henry? Well, you know, Tennessee in their offseason did a great job of addressing how to spread that offense out by bringing in Julio Jones. Unfortunately, it looks like it's going to work out at least almost halfway through the season. The same way it worked out when the Colts brought in Andre Johnson. Maybe just a, a one year late to the party on that one. It's not. It doesn't look like so far it's working um, from an injury standpoint, just an availability standpoint. AJ Brown may also not play tomorrow. That changes things for Tennessee a lot. They're not one dimensional by any means because Tannehill can move around within the pocket and extend plays. But you must, you must have gap discipline tomorrow or you will get torched by Derrick Henry because he can make the first two men miss he can make the first three miss you must have gap discipline and be sound in your fundamentals and tackling or he will run rough you know rough shot all over you how do they stop him um you know 
a lot of people give Eberflus uh, 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 a lot of uh, crap because they run the two deep, you know, the cover man uh, to Tampa two, whatever you want to call it, whatever your, your cup of tea is to, to, to describe that. But this defense is designed to, to slow down backs like Derrick Henry. But sound, it, they get destroyed. Think back to years ago. The Colts ran a Tampa two against Jacksonville, and I think they're, they're literally, I think Maurice James Drew is still running. I think now, after all these years. Um, <laughs> When you're not when you're not sound and minding your gaps, it's a disaster. But this is a very smart defense, and the loss of Julian Blackman that is one that disturbs me um, when it comes to their base defense because he's a guy that kind of helps. He's the safety net, no pun intended, mm-hmm. and it really helps when you have a guy like that back there as a sure tackler and can do those sort of things. Um, but if, if the Titans don't have A.J. Brown, they have to be committed to get the tight ends involved in their passing game to kind of sustain those long drives because it's all well and good if Derrick Henry gets three and a half yards of carry. Are you going to run the ball with him on third down? And I think that's, that's th- that third down tomorrow, that third down uh, conversion percentage is, might be the stat of the game tomorrow when it comes to Tennessee. So, are you think it's going to be a Colts win or a Tennessee win tomorrow at home? Um, boy, it's you know you, I don't know where you shop as far as uh, Vegas money lines are concerned, but it's it's a pick'em, and uh, in most places at least, and, and I kind of feel the same way. I I got to know a little bit more before I commit to a a real uh, decision there. I want to know who's inactive uh, tomorrow at eleven thirty. I hate to be a, a, a delayer, but I, I think there's a lot going on here. I do think the fact that the Colts are home, coming off a pretty big emotional win, as is Tennessee, obviously. Tennessee, you know, stopping Kansas City and getting that win, you know, a couple in a row. Somebody's going to have a letdown tomorrow. I think – I tend to think it's Tennessee because they have a little bit less to lose. So, I, if you're holding the gun to my head, I would take the Colts tomorrow. No gun to head, but uh, we're certainly going to hold you to it. Adam, you know, here's the thing. It, it, you know, the Colts team might, might yet make the playoffs, but it's not good enough to win against all the good teams right now. you just got to win your division. And that Tennessee Titan team is standing in their way. The Titans defense has been able to make mistake-prone offenses, make mistakes. And we know Carson Wentz is going to oblige. But it seems like, you know, the Titans win when they shouldn't and lose when they shouldn't. And, I mean, I look for Derrick Henry to run for, like, 200 yards. Uh, um, but, but I think with that history and the Colts being at home and people being healthy, I look for another one-point game. How's 28-27 sound to you, Adam? You know, this is the thing is, that especially with what the Titans have kind of struggled with, when you don't have Derrick Henry punch it in from, like, decent, uh, from, like, a good chunk away from the, the like, they're not, like, camped out on the one yard, obviously. Um, but if, unless Henry's kind of getting out and you're getting the extended run for a touchdown, they're having a hard time scoring in the red zone. Um, and it's kind of been like a game-by-game situation. Last week, kind of everything went right when they just absolutely, like, slapped around Kansas City. But if the Colts can even just stop – Derrick Henry and the Titans rushing attack in the red zone, 
all it may take is a time or two and hold them to field goals while simultaneously the Colts have to convert in the red in their red zone opportunities, I think the Colts can pull off the upset. Um, we've, we've kind of referenced, you know, both teams coming off of emotional highs. But when you have Darius Leonard coming out and saying this is a must win, I think this Colts defense is going gonna, is gonna to come out and look to make a statement that they're not going anywhere. 28-27, maybe on a last-second field goal, uh, you know, or, or, or a missed field goal attempt. Who knows? I think it's going to be tight. I don't know if I'm going to go 28-27. I was thinking 27-31 was, was my score prediction for this week in a Colts upset. I think it's going to be great. And I've got a, a plan formulated here. I need to run it by Frank Reich. I think if Darius Leonard can put uh, Henry in a position to where we have to call an injury timeout and we pull the cart out just right there by him and then we just help him get off the field, we win. <laughs> Is that too morbid of me? Is that too morbid, Matt? What do you think? I don't want anybody to get hurt, man, but, you know. No, no, I don't either. Um, you know, but but speaking of, of that, it does appear, you know, some of these guys that have been injured and playing hurt are, are feeling much better. Leonard's a great example of that. He he is just, you know, he's all world anyway. But when he's healthy, it's a different story. And I think, I don't know, sometimes when guys play hurt and they start feeling better, they almost ascend to another level. And I'd be very curious, you know, I'll always wonder that game Sunday night, how would Darius Leonard have played in, in great conditions? Because mm-hmm. he was unbelievable on Sunday night. And would oh, he have been, you know, oh, was. Would, would he have been transcendent if he had good footing the whole time? So, so he's a guy that I'm, I'm, I mean, you always watch Darius Leonard. You watch him, you know, whether he's involved in the play or not, because you want to know what's coming. But, you know, it, he's a guy tomorrow that I think can be a complete difference maker. I will say this. If that defense can give the Colts an opportunity to score as they did in Tennessee, this game won't be close. It'll be a, it'll be a two- or three-score game. I think we're going to see a lot of ball control tomorrow, though, to your point with Derrick Henry. I mean, I think it's going to be I – don't, I don't dig the whole time of possession stat anymore, but I do think tomorrow – Time of possession, and as I mentioned earlier, third down conversion rate, that's going to be very telling in who wins the game. Adam, real quickly, before we move on to these college football games, you guys got the Steelers at home. I feel pretty good about that. The Steelers come in kind of banged up. Any thoughts on your Cleveland Browns hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers, sir? Yeah, man. We came off a game with Denver. We played on Thursday night, and it felt like half our roster was injured. Um, guys are coming back healthy. Baker's playing Sunday. Chubb is back. Um, all I need is my boy JOK to get healthy, and we'll be good to go. Uh, you know, I think I think I, I just think the Steelers are, are also. It seems like everybody in the league is dealing with a lot of injuries right now. Um, that kind of happens usually at this midpoint. Um, you know, getting close to, to midway through the season. I, I think the Browns um, will be able to. For the defensive line will be able to get to Roethlisberger enough. Um, and then, you know, Baker has not had a game yet this season where he's had his full complement of receivers. Um, we're still going to be without Kareem Hunt, but Dearness Johnson with his 135 yards rushing 
against Denver uh, is going to show a good compliment to Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's going to come out and run angry because Pittsburgh's already been running their mouth like Pittsburgh does. Um, so I, I think I think the Browns at home get another W, um, get to five and three at the midpoint, kind of midpoint now because the 17 game schedule is the dumbest thing ever. Uh, but you know that's that's the center there. Uh, so yeah, so the kind of midpoint through the season, uh, they'll be five and three, really in the spot where I had actually uh, predicted they would be. Um, so. I think I think they come out with a W. I'm thinking something in the in the realm of like a two score game, like a 34 to 20 score. Um, is kind of what I'm thinking with the Browns putting up a, a, a late touchdown to extend that lead to to, to two touchdowns. Well, well, we'll see what happens. Well, typically Rick it helps us with this very special segment that we developed at the beginning of the year with our college football, and that is our. Uh, honorary time to talk about a university in Nevada football. Matt, if you bring you in, <laughs> bring you into the loop here. Very beginning of the season, inside joke here. Uh, very beginning of the season, we were doing a show. Rick and I, I think Adam was even on that show, and I started just talking about. We, we were talking about you know future uh, NFL quarterbacks. It's kind of how I was looping into that. I was segmenting into that. And so I started, began to start talking about a guy by the name of Carson Strong with Nevada football. Rick kind of chimes in there. He goes, nobody watches Nevada football. I didn't even know Nevada had a football team. So ever since then, this week, ever, ever since then every week we've tried to put our plug into the Nevada football uh, team. So that said, Nevada football had a great game against UNLV last night, and this guy named Carson, just what we need is another quarterback named Carson, right? But this guy named Carson Strong, Matthew, I, I didn't expect you to do, do uh, show prep that deep, but uh, any thoughts on Nevada football and Carson Strong? Well, you know, it's <laughs> hilarious you bring up Carson Strong because the Colts were in varied circumstances about two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. So I kind of started going down a rabbit hole of saying, okay, if they, if they were to t- right now bench Carson Wentz or, well, you wouldn't release him because it would be a financial penalty. But if you were to bench him and, and recoup your first round pick, which by the way, now that ship has sailed, I think. Uh, but I started looking at quarterbacks and I, I come across this, you know, I, I see this, where will Carson Strong get drafted? Some say first overall pick. Now, I think that's cooled off a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but you kind of watch this guy. Uh-huh. And, you know, he kind of looks like an NFL quarterback, doesn't he? I mean, he's – He does. You know, he's, and he's, he's – he's, I, I 6'4", you know, can move. I was say, and, I watched that game last night, and that dude is a, a tower. Uh, let's get into some of these games. Adam, you got any input on Carson Strong and the University of Nevada football? <laughs> Carson, Carson Strong is the number three quarterback on my quarterback big board. Um, I'll be honest, this is the worst quarterback big board I've ever seen. Um, but, no, I've got Carson Strong number three behind Malik Willis. Um, and then I have, unfortunately, I'm stuck with the decision of having Sam Howell number two, even though I'm not really, like, super high on him. Um, but, no, I, I think Carson Strong is ascending um, up, up, up the board. Uh, he, he could take the number two spot. He could take the number one spot. If you need a quarterback, this is the worst year I've ever seen. And it's really unfortunate because then the following year you're going to have Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, who look like transcendent uh, college, collegiate quarterbacks, um, the following, you know, a year where, as a Liberty alumni, the Liberty quarterback might be the first quarterback taken. I say that as a Liberty alum, and I'm like, yeah, we <laughs> um, So, you know, it's, 
it's tough, man. I, I do think Carson Strong is, is big. I don't know how mobile he is at the NFL level, which is what worries me. Um, mm-hmm. you, have to have, you have to have mobility. Um, and he looks mobile compared to a UNLV, but does he look mobile compared to, you know, we've seen guys that have come out of college that, like, like they were talking about, like, hey, Mac Jones can move in the pocket. And Mac Jones has gotten rocked this season unless you're playing the New York Jets because that team is abysmal. Uh, so, yeah, I think Carson Strong could be solid. He's one of those guys that will need a solid offensive line behind him. I don't know where to rank these quarterbacks for this upcoming draft in terms of really a prognostication. Um, I could see, you know, quarterbacks always get overdrafted, but this is not just a bad quarterback draft outside of a couple of positions. This is a bad draft overall because the volume of underclassmen declared last year following the COVID year. This is a down draft, and this is not a draft where you want to have multiple first-round picks and you're trying to build the depth of your roster from. Well, let's get into these games today. We know that there's a big game later on today, Ohio State, Penn State. We're going to get to that. But let's get through uh, some of these uh, new games. And I, I tell you what. There's a big game coming up here uh, in, in, against the, the, the uh, uh, well, the team up north for you, Adam. But Michigan, number six, Michigan, yeah. and number eight, Michigan State. Uh, not since 1964, Matt, have the Spartans and Wolverines met in, team, in teams ranked in the top ten at the same time. Uh, and isn't this the Paul Bunyan uh, trophy? I th- uh, yeah, I think you're right. Is that is this Paul Bunyan? No, that's it's not Paul Bunyan. It's the Paul Bunyan. Is this the Shillelagh? Yeah, is this the, the Shillelagh game? Is, I think it might be the Shillelagh game. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, but go ahead, go ahead, Matt. Yeah. Well, it's just a big game for for Jimmy Harbaugh because um, you know at, at some point you got to start winning these top ten games. And the record against top ten opponents since he's been in, in um, Michigan is not good. And let's just let's just call it like we see it. Um, it, it. It's an interesting matchup. I I do tend to think Michigan has the upper hand here, and and I know that that Vegas agrees from the standpoint that they're the favorite. I've heard some sharks say, "Hey, don't." Don't discount Michigan State being at home. It's going to be a tremendous atmosphere. But that being said, I, I think this seems to be a season um, where we're going to see teams in Ohio State and Michigan here in a couple te- couple weeks, and it's going to be for a playoff spot in all reality. Um, we'll see how the Big Ten championship game plays out with that winner. But Michigan is solid. They, they don't – um, they don't – I don't know if they even have really a Heisman Trophy candidate of any kind. They're just a solid ball club, and, and this might be Jim Harbaugh's best job as a coach because, yes, people thought they'd be okay, but I don't think people thought they'd be this good. And today's a day where they can prove how good they are and kind of reinsert themselves on the national stage. Adam, I know how much you love talking about Michigan, but we got Michigan State and Michigan today. Uh, you know, we think about how bad Indiana is, and, and let's 
again, call it what it is. And they got Maryland today, and we'll, there's not really a lot to talk to about that game. But if you think about it when you, with Michigan State, Adam, Indiana may have tipped off Michigan State's remaining opponents with the blueprint taken down the Spartans. I mean, that game was excellent. The Hoosiers did an excellent job of, of uh, stuffing Walker down on, on, on early down, sorry, sorry uh, with uh, limited runs. Ohio State uh, also expelled that uh, or expelled, exposed that. So I, I think that Michigan may have picked up on that. And I know you don't like talking about the team up north, but this appears to be a solid game for Michigan to win, Adam. I actually enjoy talking about that team up north, especially in regards to the fact that they, the best offensive team they've played this year ranked 69th in the country, and that was Nebraska, and Nebraska almost beat them. I love getting the salty tears from the idiots that choose to root for the, you know, the maize in blue um, and, and continue to beat their chest when they haven't beaten anybody. And not only have they barely beaten anybody – but they've had close games against bad teams. So I, I kind of want um, that team up north to beat Michigan State because I want that top five matchup against Harbaugh. And then I want Ryan Day because he couldn't last year because they pansied out of the game at the end of the season to hang like 77 on him because we can't. And that, I think, is what the reality that we're looking at for the rest of the season is Michigan, I don't even care. Like, I don't even fear the rivalry anymore because we own them. If you are a Michigan fan, look at an Ohio State fan and wave at your daddy because that's what we are. We own them. (laughs) We've owned them for the last 20 years. So that's the thing is, is that do I think – that team up north wins? I do. Do I think maybe they run the table until we play them on November 27th? I do. Do I still think that the Ohio State University is going to win that game by probably 40? I do. Because they can't throw the ball. C.J. Stroud has more passing touchdowns in two games than they have all season. So good luck stopping Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who were the top two rated receivers coming into the upcoming draft. And then you have Jackson Smith-Najigba, who could be the number one receiver in next year's draft. It's just this Ohio State team is loaded. Michigan and Michigan State, can they can battle for dominance in the state that no one actually cares about and then talk a big game <laughs> and then get their butt kicked in a few weeks. Well, big game tonight. Uh, we'll start with you, uh, Matt. We're running out of time here before we have to wrap it up and put a bubble on this segment. Ohio State hosts Penn State. Uh, Penn State uh, it may have a – maybe ranked 20, but they're sneaky good. Ohio State's at home. They're 6-1. and one. Uh, Penn State, 5-2. and two. This might be the game of the week. It's certainly the Big Ten matchup of the week. Uh, Matthew, uh, before we get into Adam's rant, just kidding. Uh, Matthew, Ohio State uh, hosts the, the Penn State Nittany Lions. Yeah, if this game were in Happy Valley, I would, I would, give, it, I would give Penn State a, a puncher's chance at maybe being around at the end. To, to have a chance, but not in Columbus. Sorry, not not there. It's, it's, it's this this will not be 
And I don't think this will be a very entertaining fourth quarter as far as, you know, close college football goes. I mean, I suppose there are some scenarios where it could be, but I just don't, I don't see it. I, I do want to quickly, before we run out of time, I want to quickly come back to Indiana. This is sure. a very, very big game for Indiana today. Very, very big game. If they mm-hmm. lose this game, they will not be bowl eligible. They still have a very, like, razor-thin path to bowl eligibility. And if they don't get bowl eligible, it will set that program back years. I guarantee you're going to start seeing recruits decommit. This could be a disaster follow-up season for Tom Allen after that breakout year last year. And and it's a shame because you really thought things were going in the right direction for him. But they they need to find a way to get bowl eligible. It's It's so important for programs like Indiana to get that extra month. That you that you completely lose when you don't get bowl eligibility. So I I just wanted to not gloss over that. If you're I'm not an Indiana fan, but if you're an Indiana fan, this is like the biggest game in a long time because it's 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 it's, it's today's game number one, but also it gives it gives the bucket game an opportunity to mean something again. Um, Purdue's good and they're going to be very tough to beat anyway, but rivalry games always kind of get crazy and you, you you do have a puncher's chance in a rivalry game indiana at times has played well i would give them a again a puncher's chance to beat purdue i believe they have Rutgers next week so uh, you, you know you, you got to get to six wins for indiana you got to find a way to get there yeah i totally agree with you and i before we let you go i you know you're number one in our fantasy football league we're all we're all in the same uh league uh together <laughs> uh and adam you're at two and five that, that's kind of a, a an odd spot to see you at and of course i'm I'm struggling at, at at three and three. So, you know, Matt, you, you, you do figure out ways to win at fantasy football. I do want to get into this Ohio <laughs> State game real quickly. Um, Adam, Adam, so he made some valid points about Indiana. I wanted to spend a little bit more time on that, but we went the Colts direction. But uh, if, in fact, Maryland beats uh, Indiana and they don't become bowl eligible, does Tom Allen need to get his resume put out there? I wonder if Tom Allen just looks for greener pastures, period. Like, he may look at Indiana and say, this is as far as I, I can take it. Uh, I think we're already seeing that. You're hearing that with, with James Franklin and, and the USC rumors. You know, James Franklin's looking at this and going, like, I had a shot in 2017 and 2018. Those were both, like, decided in the last minute against Ohio State. And since then, the Ohio State roster is just distancing itself from the rest of the crowd. And, and James Franklin may look at this and go, my best chance to win is somewhere else where I'm not roadblocked by that. And Tom Allen could do the same thing. He's not going to get a USC or an LSU, but the guys that leave USC or LSU or go to those schools will obviously have vacancies. Could Tom Allen go to like a, like a, a school down in Florida? Could Tom Allen be a candidate for Miami if they fire Manny Diaz and can't afford Mario Cristobal? Could he be a plan B and go to Miami? I don't know. I think Tom Allen's a really good coach. I just think Indiana has inherent difficulties. For one, playing in the Big Ten East makes it really hard because you're no matter how good you're working your way up to, you're in the same division as Ohio State, that team up north, Penn State. So it's a that's a tough sled, no matter what you you've got at IU. So I don't think Tom Allen, frankly, should feel um, heat on his seat, but I just wonder if he starts looking around anyway because of of feeling capped out at what he can do in Bloomington. 
Absolutely. Well, guys, we've about ran out of time here. Uh, uh, Matthew, you're more than welcome for to sit around and, and listen to uh, Adam's uh, – we're going to have to cut it short rant today. Uh, but uh, And then we got to get into some NASCAR. Uh, but uh, Matthew, I, I appreciate you coming on. It's, you're always welcome here. I, I know we never know exactly where you'll show up at, but you've been around for a long time. I appreciate you coming on, sir. Thanks for having me. Um, as we joke about, free agency is grand, and you never know. Someday, maybe, that's right, uh, buddy. maybe the phone rings. <laughs> that's right. It's just, it's just right around the corner, sir. Thank you, buddy. That's right. Thanks, man. All right. Matthew Hicks, long-time radio guy. We are running out of time here, and I know you're, you're getting close to a drop, but I'm going to give you the last few moments here, Adam. Ohio State, Penn State, let the Adam Jividen rant begin. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> All right. Ohio State, Penn State is, is, as that said, it's going to be maybe a game for a half. Uh, Penn State just doesn't have the offensive firepower. I, I think anybody that watched Ohio State versus IU, like, it was easy for Ohio State. You've got three first-round receivers. You've got Travion Henderson, who might be the best running back in college football. It, the talk is basically it's either him or B. John Robinson um, for the best running back in all of college football. You've got Jeremy Ruckert, who's the top-rated tight end coming into the, the NFL draft this year, and C.J. Stroud, who is quickly moving up the Heisman list. The defense is getting better every single week, and while Penn State does have a potent defense, they just they can't stop. This is, this is the best offense Ryan Day has put together in Columbus, which is impressive. Um, I think this, this score ends up being somewhere like a, a 44-17 to 17 type game, where I just don't know that Penn State can put up the points and then what's going to happen is, is if their, their offense can't stay on the field, that defense is going to get tired. And when the defense gets tired, look for C.J. Stroud to throw for another 300 yards and, like, four touchdowns. Henderson's probably going to have 150 yards on, like, 13 carries because that's what he does every week. Um, and I just – I think this, this isn't even going to be close. And this will be the point where James Franklin goes, I'm done at Penn State because I can't do anything else. Adam Jividen, super Buckeyes fan, super Browns fan, our uh, official college football co-pilot. Rick is working today. Adam, any final words or wisdom for us, sir? Hey, man, everybody stay safe with Halloween tonight. Go have fun with your kids, your family. Um, Let's just have a, a, a good holiday. I feel like, you know, we haven't had enough of those over the last two years. Um, so make sure you, you, you spend that time enjoying it with your family. What's, uh, what's your youngin going to be costume-wise? Are you guys He's doing it at your church, or are you going in your neighborhood? Or? Uh, yeah, we're doing it at our church. And, and hey, Ollie, what's your Halloween costume? Um, it is a ninja. He's a ninja. Ninja! All right, Ollie. Ollie making his first appearance on the balance. All right, buddy. Have yourself <laughs> a good day. Y'all be safe. All right, see you, Tom. Thanks. Adam Jividen, Super Browns fan and and uh, uh, Buckeye fan uh, uh, talking college football. We're going to roll right into our next segment. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Ooh. 
All right. I, this is where I typically would say welcome back to the balance. But we ran over a little bit uh, chit-chatting about the Colts and some all other kinds of stuff, football. And uh, I looked at the clock, and I'm like, well, there went that. So we'll make it up on the back end. But joining us now from Martinsville is Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Um, Steve, you know, Martinsville's known for their hot dogs. Is it too early to have a hot dog there in, in Martinsville? <laughs> Steve, are you there, buddy? I see you there. Hey, you there? I'm here. Hey. <laughs> we can hear you now. All right. You were on mute, buddy, I guess. All right. <laughs> yes, I did. I set myself on mute. No, uh, I was saying that, uh, no, it is not too early to have a Martinsville hot dog when you get here and make sure that when you do come, you get a bag full of them things. That's what I hear. I hear they're the, the best I, around. I, I, I look forward to today. It's on my bucket list where I can, I can, I can have one. Well, certainly Martinsville today. Uh, let's, let's talk about the Xfinity race, and we'll start with that. And, uh, you know, we're starting to see things tighten up for the championship race as we get closer and closer to Homestead. But uh, talk with us about Martinsville. Martinsville is a historical track. It's been around for a while. It has a lot of significance. And certainly, if you like the banging and the, and the, the shoving and the banging, and, um, well, if, if you like fights, Martinsville is the, the place to, to be at. Yeah, Martinsville has been around since 1947. It's the only remaining track from the original schedule of 49 that we still run on. Um, this place is uh, is short. You don't have a whole lot of time to do much around Martinsville Speedway. Um, you know, you have to jump on the gas and get going because, you know, within a, a handful of laps to ten laps, um, you know, the, the, the leader is already starting to catch the rear of the field and starting to put cars down. So, Really, you just don't have a whole lot of time. You, you've just got to get up and go and do things you got to do, and and that includes putting the bumper to somebody and moving them out of the way because, um, you know that that is one of the only ways to get around Martinsville Speedway and get around it very quickly, um, you know. But but you know as far as the Xfinity and Truck Series double header today, um, you know both of these both of these series have. Uh, uh, all four positions open. The Xfinity Series is really, really close right now with A.J. Allmendinger and Austin Cindric to have the potential to uh, lock themselves into Phoenix next week just uh, in the first stage with uh, Daniel Hemrick and uh, Justin Allgaier coming out very closely behind that. As long as they all stay out of trouble, you can potentially see all of them lock themselves into Phoenix before the end of the race. So, um, you know, uh, same thing kind of goes with the truck series later on today, all four positions up for uh, Phoenix, and uh, you, you've got four drivers. Uh, well, actually got more than that. you got about six drivers right now that have the potential um, to, to, to get in, and uh, some of them need a little bit more help than others, but, you know, we can uh, potentially see within the first two stages at least maybe one or two of those uh, starting to lock themselves in. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, you know, as, let's let's talk a little bit about the truck race. I know that they're running uh, first today as a doubleheader there at the track. Uh, the the I think the uh, trucks has pretty much have their season decided. Uh, but as we go into the truck season, a truck uh, race today, uh, what are your thoughts about that? 
Well, you know, I think as we continue to go through this season, we've seen John Hunter Nemechek just kind of been the class of the field at Bush Motorsports since he came over and started running trucks this year. He's going to return back next year, obviously, to his team, but um, he's just kind of been the class of the field over everybody else out there. I know that Sheldon Creed and Ben Rhodes have uh, both um, tried to put up a couple of wins themselves, but... You know, it, it's it's really been tough to to hang on uh, with John Hunter Nemechek all year long, and uh, I I think that when we start talking about the race later on today, he's a, has a good potential to win. He's going to start on the front row uh, later this afternoon at one o'clock, and um, you know uh, he's probably the perennial favorite at this point. Not only um, you know just to to win today, but to take the championship home next week at uh, Phoenix. You know, some other news that we saw this week, Austin Hill will move into the Xfinity Series in 2022 as a full-time championship contender for Richard Childress Racing, RCR Racing. It's very excited to have him and expects great things from him, uh, but certainly this is a driver who's earned his ride uh, full-time with RCR. Yeah, Austin Hill, um, he's put up a couple of wins this year. Unfortunately, he didn't make it into this far into the playoffs, so he's not going to have a chance to contend this year for the play for the championship in Phoenix next week. But, you know, working with Hittori Racing and those guys over there, they have a very minimal staff over there of about – six to ten people that work on the trucks every single week so they're no they're not considered what we what we, they are not what we would consider a powerhouse team with uh engineers and and flush with uh, uh people working on this truck but they have put together an effort over there and often hill has made the best of that effort over there um, going to victory lane uh you know multiple times this year uh he had a good run at the playoffs last year all the way down in you know at the phoenix um, so, you know, for that, for him and that team, he's really put up the numbers that I think Richard Chavis Racing has been looking at. And, and, you know, definitely when he moves over into more quality equipment from somebody like RCR, he, he, you know, I think we can continue to see um, good things out of him and wins and contending for wins in the Xfinity Series. Well, I'll tell you another rising star that we're looking at. It had a good win last week in Kansas in the Xfinity race, and that's Ty Gibbs. Uh, and certainly we look for him to do well at Martinsville uh, this weekend, but he certainly has continued his phenomenal Xfinity Series rookie season uh, and, and, you know, and certainly got his, his fourth victory of the year in Kansas. We look for that momentum to go forward uh, this week into Kansas. I mean, to, into Martinsville, sorry. Well, yeah. I mean, not only did he win last week in the in the, in the um, Xfinity Series, but he also um, took home the ARCA Series Championship later on that night. So, I mean, he he backed that thing up, and he's he's really showing a lot that he can put together, um, you know, a, a quality uh, season. And even though that he's only run about sixteen or seventeen races this year, I think he's got something like thirteen top tens out of seventeen starts, something. And maybe it's like 12, but either way, he's only started like 17 times this year, one fourth and uh, one four times, got like 12 or 13 top tens out of that. So, I mean, as soon as this kid goes uh, full time, we can really expect to probably see him uh, week in and week out, probably take over and be the new Austin Cendric and uh, uh, or AJ Allmendinger that we've talked about this year so many times. Isn't he also a, a part of a, uh, a racing uh, pedigree? Yeah, I mean his granddaddy owns the team, so you know when That's you what do I a thing okay. like that, I mean you should yeah, yeah, you should be you should be able to pack and back that up, back that up, 
name up just a little bit and uh, be able to contend for wins in, in a team that, you know, Granddaddy Rowe is. Granddaddy Rowe, I like it. So it's 100 days to the clash. Uh, you know, what What can we expect? What's going to be happening this weekend in, in Martinsville? Let's start with it. We're in the truck. Uh, we did the truck series, the Xfinity series. It's time for the big boys, and that's the uh, in, uh, Monster Cup series. I cannot talk today. It's a Saturday. I don't know why. Uh, but, you know, it's 100 days to the clash, and we like to say, okay, expect the unexpected. So if we were to expect the unexpected uh, this weekend in Martinsville, what would it be? Um, well, I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I, I think there's some uh, competition that you could potentially look for, and I know, I, I know that NASCAR has told uh, um, Chase Elliott and uh, Kevin Harvick to stay off of one another, but um, you, you have to wonder just a little bit whether this is a potential that maybe you know one of the two of them could get a little bit more payback in before the end of the season and sit, just shrug their shoulders and say, well, it's Martinsville, so you know. That's what happens here. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. But, you know, as far as uh, you're talking about the clash, we've got uh, that in 100 days. Um, you know, me personally, I'm, I'm not really excited that we're going to take this thing all the way out to L.A., um, you know, and build a, uh, a temporary track. Uh, this thing has been compared to Bowman Gray Stadium more times than, than not. And I just feel that if, if we've got to put this much effort into uh, comparing it to Bowman Gray Stadium, should just go to Bowman Gray Stadium because, you know, that place is a madhouse. They packed in 12, 13, 14,000 people every single weekend for those modifies that they run out there. That place is um, is, is absolutely electric, and I, and I just feel that it, it would be better served that, you know, to, instead of spending so much time trying to market this as the next Bowman Gray, let's just go to Bowman Gray. You know, that's a very valid point, and I've heard that uh, talked about uh, numerous th- times this week. Well, let's talk about Ryan Blaney. I mean, here we are, the round of eight, the finale is this weekend. He's one point below the line. Does Ryan Blaney, does he get in and get his next career milestone, or, or is he still like, oh, almost so close, but yet so far for Ryan Blaney? Well, you know, going into last week, I thought that, you know, we were we were going to have uh, at least one of the three Penske drivers that were still in the hunt, uh, you know, be able to make it in. But, I mean, it seemed like everybody last weekend had an issue some way with tires or something like that at Kansas that put them out or put them in the wall or it has just put them, or in Ryan Blaney's case, where he goes from running like second or third in the points to now underneath by one the cut line by one point. So, um, you know, Ryan Blaney is going to have to pick that thing up, um, and and really it's going to be a close competition because I mean he he again he's got only that one point out and he's got um, you know he he's got to make this up. And I know that some of his other teammates like um, Joe Logano and um, and Brad Keselowski they're even further down the cut line than he is. Um, at uh, somewhere around 20 points or something like that. But uh, you've got, uh, you know, Kyle Busch that's one point above him, and I think that's, you know, uh, if, if Kyle is able to uh, hold on and have a decent day, then he's going to have to deal with uh, Denny Hamlin or somebody like that, and hopefully one of them either doesn't win the race or has a bad day so he can get back above that line. 
You know, we talk about Martinsville, you know, kind of being, tends to be the end with an equal combination of hurt feelings and hurt fenders, if you will. And Chase Elliott has been on both of the sides of those, uh, of that fence, of the fence there. It would be a huge win for him to win uh, in uh, Martinsville this weekend. And certainly he's the defending series champion. Um, what are we looking for from Chase Elliott this weekend and, you know, moving forward for the rest of the season? Well, again, you know, Chase Elliott is, uh, he, he last week at Kansas and by virtue of some of the other people that had some issues, he was able to get above the cut lines. And now he's in a potential cha- uh, championship run where he can back that up from 20, 2020. Um, and, you know, I think for him, uh, yes, you're right. He's been in some of these clashes before out there at Martinsville Speedway where he's uh, either been wrecked or, you know, whatever the case may be and been in fights out there uh, at the late stages of these races and uh, and on pit road. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, I don't doubt Chase Elliott's ability to win on these short tracks whatsoever. Uh, he's been doing this since he was 12, 13 years old where he's won on some of, some of these short tracks, these really tough short tracks. Um, uh, and, and uh, you know, just look for him to continue doing that. But I think he also has to be smart, too, because he really doesn't have a whole lot of breathing room. Like I said, with uh, both uh, Kyle Busch and um, Denny Hamlin, both right around him, uh, and, and Ryan Blaney and, uh, and Joe Vigano and uh, Brad Keselowski, you know, all these guys are, you know, breathing down on one another's neck, and I think they're going to be looking for the potential that they can, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, if the chrome horn has to come out to move you out of the way and get you into a championship uh, kind of situation for Phoenix next week, I think, you know, look for any of these guys to maybe do that and move somebody out of the way, even if that means moving Chase Elliott out of the way for uh, running down a second championship. Talking with Steve Wilson, Editor-in-Chief of Speedway Digest, uh, calling us from down in Martinsville, certainly big race down in Martinsville. This is the, the finale of, uh, of the group of eight, if you will. And if we, if we were in March Madness, we'd be talking about the bubble watch today. Not Bubba Watch, but we could talk about the Bubba Watch, but Bubble Watch today. And so, I'll, well, my, I, you know, we'll just go through all of them. We'll see where they're at on the bubble. You tell me where they end up on the other side of the fence in this in this uh, group of eight, if you will. Let's start with Joey Logano. Uh, you know, uh, hit or miss with Joey Logano. We'll just call it that. We'll just go through these names here while we got some time. Hit or miss, uh, moves on, uh, Joey Logano. Uh, he needs a lot of help at this point. He's about 26, 27 points out of this thing. He needs a lot of help, so I think he misses this thing. So be part of the first four out. Um, Bradley Koloski, BK. I don't know he's going to have it his way. I, I think the, that marketing campaign went away a long time ago, but I still say it. Uh, I mean, he might be part of the uh, first four out, uh, but uh, uh, BK, Brad Koloski, what are your thoughts? Yeah, he's been another Penske driver that we've had to kind of look at and say that, you know, does he have the potential to move on to Phoenix or not? And, I mean, he's had some bright spots, but he's, we've, uh, we've tried to focus on uh, Ryan Blaney more so than the, those two. I think he misses also. You know, a disappointing miss, I think it's going to happen, uh, is uh, Martin Truex Jr. Uh, I think he, I think he was there. And then he wasn't there. Uh, but Martin Truex Jr., obviously a former champion, uh, very well known around the, the, the racing circuit, but don't think he's going to make it in. No, he's, no, uh, he's out. 
no more to say. We talked about Ryan Blaney. Uh, here's we always got to be talking about, you know, first four in, first four out. So we know that Kyle Larson's in. Okay. What about Kyle Bush? What are your thoughts on the other Kyle? Um, you know, I, I, I have, you know, I, I, you know, he's been out of this thing, and again, last week, if it hadn't been for uh, some help last week, he wouldn't be in the position that he's in. He's kind of been in a in a hole for quite some time. Um, I, I, I think he, I think if you're looking at this, I think you swap Ryan Blaney and Kyle Bush. That Kyle Bush goes out, Ryan Blaney goes in. You know, another former champion, a guy I've enjoyed watching over the years, has has had his ups and downs. And we think about, you know, having that terrible, terrible wreck several years ago uh, where he broke his back. And a lot of people thought by all indications he would never race again. Uh, he hasn't looked quite as dominant, did he, Hamlin, as, uh, as he did in the first two rounds. But I think he still certainly has a championship in him. I think he, he moves on, didn't he, Hamlin? No, I think Denny Hamlin moves on, but I think that we have to look at Denny Hamlin in the same aspect that we looked at Mark Martin. For all those years that Mark Martin, that we thought that he was going to win a championship, he was within points of winning a championship, and he had, you know, a penalty or something like that very late in the season that put him just one or two or three points out of this thing. I, I think Denny Hamlin becomes that guy that, you know, he wins a lot of races. He's he uh, is very versatile in some of the things that he does, but he just never wins a championship just because I virtue of some of the things that happen. Well, if you got to get compared to somebody late in your career, Mark Martin would be that person. So, yeah, but I do totally agree with that comparison. That's for sure. What are, we talked about Chase Elliott. He still gets in, right? We still think he gets in, right? No, I think he gets in unless you know unless you look at like somebody that's below that bubble or right on that bubble like Kyle Busch or Ryan Blaney that if they're in a position of saying well if I if I move Kyle Busch out of the way I get to move on to Phoenix but look I look at somebody to move Kyle look at them to move um, Chase Elliott out of the way and move on so I think uh, yeah I think you know that that's where desperation comes in at this point especially with so many uh, drivers that are right around that one or two point bubble. You know, we always going to talk about Kyle Larson just because of the extraordinary comeback uh, season that he's had. And he's certainly aligned to win the championship. Uh, but, you know, there's still some races that happen. There's really nothing that's going to happen that's going to get him out because he's clenched, okay? But at the same time, you can't re- become complacent, Kyle can't, in his place in, in, the, in the championship race. Because Martinsville is, I mean, it's everybody's game. We talk about the big one. We talk about everybody, the calamity in Martinsville that's bound to happen. How's Kyle Kyle Larson just kind of, let's just check this box off. Let's get in with a race car. Let's leave with a race car. No, I think that, you know, I think he he can't, you're right, he can't be complacent whatsoever. I mean, even though he has a pretty significant uh, lead over everybody else and leading the the championship standings where he is right now, and even though that he's not guaranteed without, you know, get, stacking up a bunch of points, you know, in the first, you know, in the first stage, um, and, and has the potential that way, um, you know, I think Kyle, uh, Kyle Larson has to look. Kyle, Kyle Larson has to look at, um, you know, going, um, you know, has to look at going into Phoenix next week where he, uh, you know, finished seventh in the spring. So. 
Oh, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say something else there. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. It sounds like you're driving into the track there, sir. Yeah, we're. I'm trying to get into the track right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know how's a, how how are things in the comeback from COVID? You know, we remember. Uh, you know, at IMS, I know we all had to wear a mask, but we didn't have to have our temperature taken. And there was times when there was a lot more things. Is is it more of just uh, guidelines as opposed to mandates? Um, well, you know, they've opened a lot of this stuff up, but fans are wide open right now. There is still some indoor masking and things like that going on, but aside from that, you know, uh, everything has uh, started to become more open these days. Well, that's good. And, and fans in the stand, how many, uh, how many, uh, how many fans, I guess is what I was trying to get at is? Uh, well, I mean, they've got max capacity that they're allowed to have in the stands, and I don't know if they're sold out for tomorrow or not, but, you know, I would expect uh, with Martinsville that this will uh, have a pretty decent crowd, not both uh, just tomorrow but today also. You know, I know this isn't a political show, but I was watching another network uh, uh, doing their national coverage, and they were talking about this race today, and let's just say you might have some political appearances at the race today, one way or the other. <laughs> I know where you lean at. I know where I lean at, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but, uh, man, it's, it's, it seems like it's filtered over in, into NASCAR now. This is a, a thing in Virginia that the entire world is, is watching, and I'm sure that you live in Virginia. You are tired of it as well, right? Uh, yeah, and who's, actually, who's coming today? Which one? I had I had saw the let's just say the pro Trump one. <laughs> it, what's his name? Uh, uh, Glenn Youngkin. Yeah. Youngkin, that's right. Uh, of course, they don't announce that like official, but they were talking about on the on the other network that he's making his rounds and that he'll be around Martinsville this weekend. So. We'll oh, see. okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Tipping <laughs> your hat there. It's not a political show, Steve. <laughs> Who gets the win today, the, today and tomorrow in Martinsville, sir? Um, you know, for for the truck race, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with John Hunter Nemechek for the Xfinity race. I'm gonna go with um, Justin Allgaier, and for Cup tomorrow, um, if Chase Elliott doesn't win this thing, it'll be Kyle Larson. Steve Wilson, Editor-in-Chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor and uh, official Martinsville hot dog taster. So you'll have to send us a picture of it, sir, and we'll get it up on, on social media. <laughs> All righty, I will. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Talk to you later. Bye. All right, bye-bye. Steve Wilson, Editor-in-Chief of Speedway Digest. Uh, our official NASCAR contributor. Uh, you know, we've got to catch up on some breaks. Uh, we kind of have been running full force here, but uh, we'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, will be uh, walking around the NFL. What's going on with the Eagles? What's going on with the Colts? What's going on with your team? We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Yeah, I'm gonna take my 
gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse and the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horse. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. No, they're one of my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. No. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's Fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is masa lekwa pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they? Investor philanthropists, do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and okay. roasted. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good.
All right, welcome back to the balance three quarters of the show done. Thank you to Matthew Hicks, uh, a longtime local indie radio guy here, uh, talking some Colts with us and some Homer hats with the Indiana University. And uh, oh, uh, Adam Jevedin, our Super Browns fan and uh, Super Buckeyes fan, our and college football co-pilot. Rick couldn't join us today uh, as he has a mortgage to pay or something, so he has to work. I don't, I, I don't, I don't get these people with real jobs. No, I have one myself. I'm kidding. And, of course, uh, Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, called us from Martinsville, uh, NASCAR getting down to the – to their, to their final eight. That's a bubble. We talked about that. That's happening in Martinsville. And if you like Calamity, Martinsville, Virginia is the place to watch some NASCAR. But joining us now is Ed Kratz, fresh back from Vegas. I've seen the pictures. Man, I, I, I can't see that you would want to actually leave where you were at to come to Philadelphia. No, I'm just kidding. But, man, it looked like you had a great time out there. Yeah, you know, we felt like I was out there for a month, Tom. Uh, really, <laughs> we, were, we were there for, I think, five nights. And, uh, you know, we did just about everything you could. And it still wasn't enough to see everything. That was my first time to uh, Sin City. And uh, we, we packed a lot into that time. But now I want to go back. Yeah. But, yeah, it was well, fun. i tell you, you know, what. Everything was good. Yeah. No, I was going to say, i tell you what. Those pictures of the Grand Canyon were just stunning. I mean, just to be there, I felt like, man. And in the, I saw on your on, on your picture there that they didn't allow cell phones. That was kind of an, an interesting thing. Well, it, there, it's, it was the western rim of the canyon. Um, it, we had never been there. We'd been to the southern rim of the Grand Canyon when we uh-huh. went to Phoenix a few years ago, and you drive north to the southern rim, which I thought was a, a pretty nicer uh, setup, but that does not mean to belittle the western rim, which was about a two-and-a-half-hour drive out of Vegas. I mean, it was just – spectacular and and what you're talking about is the skywalk that they have there that uh, they make you put these booties on that cover your feet because it's all glass bottom and it's very to me it was pretty scary to walk out on that thing you're 4,000 feet above the canyon floor and it extends about 70 feet out of the base you know of, of the side of the of the canyon so you know you're really suspended there and they don't want you to take cell phones out, I guess, because it, it got a little windy. And, you know, I don't think I'd want to take pictures out there, to be honest. I was just kind of mm-hmm. holding on to the railing. And, uh, you know, they give you a photographer that walks out there with you, and they take all these pictures of you. And then, of course, they sell them as a package, and we, we invest <laughs> the money in buying the whole package. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I would put it on anybody's bucket list if you haven't been there, you or anyone else listening. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, the Grand Canyon, no matter what rim you go to see, whether it's that western rim where we went with the Skywalk or the southern rim, which is more expansive, and you can kind of walk a little bit further and see a little bit more and, uh, I would highly recommend. It's just a terrific uh, natural site in this country to go see. Yeah, absolutely. And I can just imagine the uh, the feeling that you have when you look down over there. It's like you, you feel like you're like yeah. jumping out of an airplane or something. So, and I've been there, done that before. But yeah, so so cool. I tell you what, though, we, we will get into the Colts' big win. They had a huge win out in San Francisco in a yeah. cyclone. I think you watched a little bit of that game. Uh, but the Eagles also had, I mean, had a lot. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. I said, but the Raiders also had a win at home. Uh, you know, this was also a business trip for you. The Eagles, the Raiders, very right. disappointing loss uh, last Sunday. You know, can't figure it out, really. I mean, it, you look at the coaching staff and you wonder exactly what it is, especially with the offense. Like, what are they trying to do offensively? 
you know, I get kind of the defense, you know, with a rookie defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. I mean, I don't think he has the personnel to play the scheme he wants to play. He's putting a lot of stress on his linebackers. And, you know, the Eagles just aren't a linebacker-built team. They, they never really have been. So uh, it's just a mess in so many different ways. It, you know, the Raiders were ahead 30-7 to seven, uh, midway through the third quarter, and that game was basically over, and there was a lots and lots of Eagles fans inside Allegiant Stadium that I think started heading across the street to the casinos at that point. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it, you know, they're playing the Lions on, on Sunday and I was hoping Rick would be on because I know he's a huge Lions fan. I, I think this could be a spot where the Lions get their first win just based on the way the Eagles are, are playing. And, you know, the Lions have played a lot of teams really tough this year, including the Rams last week. I mean, they, they had the late lead on, on the L.A. Rams, 19-17, I think, late in the third quarter. And, uh, you know, the Rams are just a better team and found a way to win. Now, I think the Eagles have a better roster, but I really like the way the Lions are playing. So I, I could see the Lions winning this game and getting off the schneid, getting their first win of the season for their rookie head coach, Dan Campbell. Well, Howie Roseman, uh, obviously the general manager there of the Philadelphia Eagles. I know you're a super big fan of his. But, but since he became the general manager in 2010, he's made 103 trades. Most recently, uh, the one uh, with uh, shipping uh, Zach Ertz uh, to the Arizona Cardinals uh, for cornerback Ty Gowan. Uh, so that was probably one of the biggest trades. But some other candidates that people are talking about with the, with the, with Philadelphia, and that's your offensive tackle, Andre Dillard. Uh, on the trading block or off the trading block, what are your thoughts? I mean, and, and again, I'm getting some of this through other sources, but I've seen it in, right. in a couple sources that that, that might be somebody that, that uh, they're looking at trading. Yeah, you know, don't forget the trade. They traded Joe Flacco, too, back to the New York Jets. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the Eagles have 11 draft picks in the draft next year, 11 picks, including what, you know, based on the way Carson Wentz is holding up in, in Indianapolis there, it could be three first-round picks. And one of them's the Dolphins that they're guaranteed to have. And the Dolphins are sitting at one and six. I mean, the Eagles could have two top ten picks next year uh, in the draft, which, you know, that's really kind of what people are hanging their hat on here in Philadelphia. So, you know, if you're going to trade more guys, you're going to get more picks. And I think they're loading up to make, you know, I, – you know, I would think they're going to load up to try to maybe bring Russell Wilson in in a trade next year. Uh, that could be a possibility. Or, or it could be a possibility they move up to number one or two in the draft and pick whatever quarterback they seem to like. It's not a great year for quarterbacks, but there is one that I think would interest the Eagles, and that's Kenny Pickett at Pitt. Uh, you know, he, he plays the style. He plays an pro-style offense, and I think he plays the kind of game Nick Sirianni would like to have with the quick release and the, get the ball out fast and, um, so that's something to keep an eye on. But, yeah, you mentioned Dillard, and just about every team in this league is needs linemen. I mean, it's a, a, a position of need for so many teams, and uh, especially a left tackle. And Dillard stepped in and played well for, um, you know, when, when Jordan Mulata had to move over to cover for Lane Johnson. He made four starts at left tackle and held up pretty well. So uh, if you're going to trade him, he's a former first-round pick from just 2019. He's a young player. Uh, still on a cheap deal, you're, you're going to have to get a pretty good return, which to me would be I would take a third maybe. If I were the Eagles, I don't think I would take anything less. So if there's a team that's willing to give up that type of collateral, then I might do it. I'm not sure there will be. It depends how desperate teams are. Uh, of course, the trade deadline is Tuesday. So, you know, sometimes as we get closer to these deadlines, that spurs action. So we'll see. But the Eagles have some other 
candidates, Tom, that they could look to trade. You mentioned Tay Gowan came back in that deal for Ertz that sent him to Arizona. I mean, they have two rookie cornerbacks now on this team, and Gowan and a kid they drafted, uh, Zach McPherson, in the fourth round. And, you know, they have two veteran cornerbacks, Darius Slay and Steve Nelson. You know, they could look to trade one of them to get some of the, you know, the rookies some playing time. And, you know, Derek Barnett is a pass rusher who doesn't have any sacks this year. He's a former first-round pick from 2017. He's in the final year of his contract. He would be a good rental player, perhaps, for a team looking to beef up its pass rush who wants to get into the playoffs or knows they're getting into the playoffs, but that's one of their weaknesses. So he's another candidate could be dealt. So, you know, it's not just Dillard. It's Barnett. I think it could be Darius Slayer, Steve Nelson. Uh, also in that mix, but uh, Dillard certainly would bring the most back in a return, I think, because just because he's young, uh, he's proven that he can play as a first-round pick, and uh, he's on a good contract. So, yeah, someone definitely to keep an eye on as Tuesday gets closer. Well, it's clear that Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator there with the Eagles, doesn't have all the pieces for the scheme that he's trying to run. Uh, It looks like he would need or look at a pure – nose guard you think about who you guys are playing uh tomorrow uh and he howie roseman traded back in the third round instead of drafting elaine mcneil who again again was drafted by the lions and is a starter for them uh he also meanwhile fletcher cox josh sweat and kerrigan are being asked to do things that really from what i see in watching football in america and football good morning they're not very comfortable with doing if the Eagles could find a lineman, maybe would help some of these problems. That would be a win. But this game tomorrow, if you lose, you can't put the loss or the win on uh, McNeil. But you you, you got to think: is this is this a a draft day haunt coming back to you uh, so fittingly on Halloween? <laughs> yeah, or well, is Halloween today? I don't know. know Either which way, a, a scary uh, Halloween, Halloween weekend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you remember back to the draft, I don't know if you, you saw clips of this, but when the Eagles traded back and then the Lions took Aline McNeil, uh, Tom Donahue, one of their personnel people, was pretty upset about it. He really wanted Aline McNeil, and um, but the Eagles were happy with getting Milton Williams too. And you know, I don't know if McNeil would make a difference. Certainly, he's a good. You know, he's proven to be a pretty stout player up front. I don't think he has any sacks or anything, but he's pretty good against the run but the Eagles have to me they have everything they need on that defensive line you know Fletcher Cox is can still be a productive player and again he could be someone they look to trade to be honest but his contract is so prohibitive I don't know who would give up much to get a contract like that he's 30 he'll be 31 I think later this year um but yeah they and you know they losing Brandon Graham hurt you know when he tore his Achilles that certainly hurt on the edge uh but you know they have Javon Hargrave up front, who's got six sacks in these seven games. I mean, he's playing like a Pro Bowl player, Javon Hargrave. He's got, uh, you know, several tackles for loss, a lot of tackles. So, you know, I think they have what they need up front. I'm not sure McNeil would make that big of a difference, to be honest. I, I think it's schematics. I think Gannon isn't doing enough to free those players up to make plays. And Fletcher Cox talked about it. You know, when he's being asked to be blocked by two players, two, three yards down the field, to free up the linebackers to try to make plays. I mean, that, that's not the way Fletcher Cox is most effective. He said, I, I get frustrated by that, and I take matters into my own hands. And he tries to split the double team, something he's been doing his entire career and has been good at it. 
Um, but that's not what he's being asked to do for whatever reason. So uh, I think they have what they need. I don't know if William McNeil would make a big difference. I think Milton Williams is a pretty good player too. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, what they could have used was a Micah Parsons. <laughs> with you. They need a playmaker <laughs> on that linebacker on that second level. Yes, sir. Well, you know, what's trade talk without at least throwing in the mix uh, for an extra shot of vodka, if you will? And that's a talk about Deshaun Watson. The Eagles were in a very active pursuit about Watson, but but Watson has a no trade clause, and he's reportedly waived it only for the Miami Dolphins. Why would the Miami Dolphins want him? I don't know. You know, uh, certainly the Eagles will be front and center on the quarterback uh, position as well. I mean, you think that none of that will happen before the deadline. And but if we if we were just to throw names out there to talk about Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, maybe Watson, any of those things that you think would would come into to play, I don't I don't I don't see any of those combinations happening for the Eagles. Well, I, not before the trade deadline, absolutely not. I don't, you know, and frankly, a lot of people would like Deshaun Watson, but who wants him now before, you know, I mean, you could trade for him and he gets put on the commissioner's exempt list until this whole, mm-hmm. you know, scandal blows over or whatever it is. But, you know, I don't, I wouldn't trade for Deshaun Watson right now either. Um, and the Seahawks aren't going to trade Russell Wilson. Now he's hurt. Uh, the Packers are gearing up for a Super Bowl run. They're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers now. So, but these are moves I think that can be looked at in the off season for sure. And I think the Eagles, Listen, Deshaun Watson has said he doesn't want to play in Philadelphia. So, you know, you, you got to move past that. I don't know why he wouldn't want to play in Philly. Um, I know it is a tough place to play, and maybe that kind of, you know, worries some players. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't think the, the Watson's coming here. But I, I could certainly see them trying to get Russell Wilson in the offseason. Um, as, as a lot of teams will. But the Eagles are going to have, have draft capital to, to get something done. That's what I'm talking about is they have these 11 picks, and – you know, maybe they had another one or two here before the deadline, and they're not going to draft, you know, 11 players or 12 or 13. I mean, they're they're going to trade some of those, and I could see them trading for a Russell Wilson. I don't think Aaron Rodgers would come here. I think he, I think he's looking at Denver right now as as a destination. To be honest, um, from things I've heard, um, but you know that remains to be seen. And then again, if the Eagles can't make a trade for one of these quarterbacks, I think they're going to try to move right up the draft board. You know, if the Jags are picking number one, they don't need a quarterback, right? So they they would maybe look at to move out, and, and the Eagles would take their pick. But again, have you seen any quarterbacks other than Nevada's own Carson Strong that excites you? I, I, I don't up. know. I saw, yeah, I did your picture last night about that. We talked about that earlier. Our our honorary yeah. thing of Carson. But you know what? Though we we joke about it, but we talked about this in the college football segment. He's a top three NFL prospect, and and, and you know the funny story here. Uh, and a great segue because we're going to walk around the the uh, NFL. One of the great things is you walk through these rabbit holes of, of looking what's going to happen on draft day. Uh, I mean, we could end up possibly. Too way too early to tell, but how comical would it? I don't know if comical is the right word, but we could end up with two Carsons on, on our on our team and inviting for that that QB one <laughs> position. There's a lot of experts that say that Carson Strong could end up here at the Indianapolis Colts, but yeah, well, how, would that, how would that happen though? How, how would that happen? I don't understand. I mean, he's going to go in the first round, right? I mean, I haven't seen. Listen, I haven't seen Carson Strong play a single down to be honest. So. 
Uh, but isn't there talk that he's a first rounder and the Colts aren't going to have a first round pick, right? No, so, you're right. I don't know how Carson. I think he'll get moved back. I don't think he, he might be a first round. He could be a first round. I watched that that UNLV game last night. He certainly has the ability to be a first round, and he's a big old boy. So you're right. It yeah. could be just a moving around of things. But you know how these rabbit hole goes. You click here and you click here and you click here. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. You keep clicking. Yeah. You see the story that you that you like. But yeah. It's right. just so funny, the inside joke that I know you're aware of, that that we started talking about Carson Strong early on in the season. Just talk about the Colts. Great win last week in San Francisco in a cyclone. I don't care what two teams were playing. I My hat's off. And Darius Leonard looked great. Carson Wentz looks like he did back at the Philadelphia Eagles before everything fell apart for him there. Maybe things are starting to come together for him. Big game tomorrow at home, Tennessee Titans. You know, as we mentioned earlier, Tennessee could win by a thousand points and still be number one in the in the division. But we have to get a win here to be in the 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 hunt for the playoffs, especially with the way that the, the playoffs are, are set up now. And you know, we got to stop Derrick Henry, and he's a beast. Uh, I think Colts are going to win. I mean, as I said earlier, I think the Titans win when they shouldn't and lose uh, when they shouldn't. And this is one of those those situations where I, they should win, but they probably will lose, and they'll be I think it'll be a 27-28 uh, type uh, type ball game. But we came up with a plan. I'll see what you think about it to stop Derrick Henry. We put we got to still clear this with uh, with uh, Frank Wright, but we Darius Leonard out there has a crash with Henry. Just to be on the safe side, we pull the cart over there and sit next to Henry, help him off the field. And he's good to go, you know, a few weeks down the road, and, and, and that's fine. We don't want to put him on IR. We don't want him dead or anything. But <laughs> that's, a little, that's a little drastic, isn't it? But, I mean, yeah. we joke about it, but that's, that's about what's going to have to happen to stop Derrick Henry. I don't, I don't know. You're right. That's probably the only way, you know, maybe, you know, you don't want to push an injury on anybody, but you know, listen, that guy, he, he's amazing. You know, I mean, there's, you talk about shelf life for NFL running backs. And if, if this guy has one, I, I haven't seen it yet. What's this his fifth year in the league? I think he came out in 2016. Right. Uh, and, and man, is he a load. And, I, and to be honest, when he came out of Alabama, I thought, I didn't think he was going to be this good. Uh, but boy, he, he is a handful. Um, there's no doubt, but, Listen, the way to, to beat Derrick Henry is to keep him on the sideline, and, and that's what I like what the Colts have done these last two weeks. And if Frank Reich has used Carson Wentz the way you need to use Carson Wentz, and that mm-hmm. is to not have him throw 30 to 40 times a game. If you look in this two-game winning streak, I think he only threw 20 passes against the Texans two weeks ago. Uh, and, and in last week's win in, the, in San Francisco, I think he only threw 26 times. I mean, that that's the recipe – for success for Carson Wentz. You don't want to have him throw. And, and his his resume in the NFL has proven that. If he throws, you know, over 40 times a game, he, he's got a losing record. So, you know, they're Frank Reich's smart. He's a smart head coach. He's been around Carson during their time in Philadelphia, and, and he knows how to use Wentz. And if your running game is mashing like it, it's been these last couple games and you're making plays on the ground and keeping things in balance, yeah, Carson Wentz is going to be a better quarterback for you. And I think if you do that against the Titans, 
you're going to keep Derrick Henry parked next to that cart on the sidelines, and, and uh, you're going to have a better chance to win. And I think that's what they're going to do. I think you're catching Tennessee at a good time. They're coming in off a very emotional win, a big win over the Kansas City Chiefs. And of all the surprises in the NFL this year, that to me is the biggest. The Chiefs sitting here at three and four. Uh, but that, you know, they held them to tw- three points. You know, that Chiefs offense to three points last week. That That's a huge emotional win for Tennessee. So you're catching them maybe at the right time. Here they have to bottle, you know, that energy and that emotion from playing the Chiefs again. And I know it's a division game, but it could be a good time for the Colts to be playing the Titans. I absolutely agree. Well, I didn't get a chance to ask about the breakdown for tomorrow's game, and I apologize for that. I got started on Carson Strong and then lost my, my, my flow. Before we went on to talk around around the NFL, I wanted to get your uh, insight and report card against the Lions. Rick can't be with us today, obviously, but uh, I think you're going to be okay against the Lions. Well, the Eagles roster is better. I mean, look at the receivers. I mean, the, the Lions have, I think, 15 players on the injured reserve this year, most of any team, and you know, that includes some some receivers and, more importantly, some cornerbacks. You know, they're down to, you know, undrafted guys playing out there, Jerry Jacobs and uh, Parker, another guy named Parker. So, you know, this, this could be a big game for the Eagles receivers, the young receivers like Devontae Smith, um, you know, who's got over 400 yards receiving this year but has not had a touchdown since that opener. His first NFL catch was an 18-yard touchdown pass in Atlanta. He hasn't had another touchdown since then. It's coming up on two months. But, you know, this is the kind of game where the Eagles can throw the ball, I think, against this secondary. Um, You know, their offensive line has basically, uh, you know, been together now. Lane Johnson returned last week. Uh, So, you know, that's a good matchup for the Eagles for sure. Um, And then the receivers for the Lions, they really don't have a whole lot there. I like their tight end, TJ Hawkinson. I think – you know, the Eagles being deficient at linebacker, he could have a good game. But I also like their ground game. I like DeAndre Swift both in the pass game and the run game. So they're going to have to account for DeAndre Swift, uh, a kid who, who grew up locally here in Philadelphia, uh, you know, played at the, a big high school in Philly, St. Joe's Prep. Uh, so, he, you know, he's a handful as well. So I think, the, you know, the way the Lions are playing, again, like I said, I think the Lions are playing – with a lot of confidence, even though they're all in seven, I know they're all in seven. And we talked to Dan Campbell, their head coach earlier in the week. And he said, we just need to make one more play to win a game. I mean, they're still trying to learn how to win, but if you look from the lions perspective, they're looking at this game, like, man, these are the Eagles. They're two and five. We've seen them get blown out the last couple of weeks to the Raiders and the bucks and really haven't even been competitive. And I know the final scores make it look closer than, than what the game actually was, but, these are the Eagles, man. We can beat these guys. This is our chance <laughs> to get a win. It's at home. It's in front of our fans. The fans are going to be hungry. The Lions are going to be hungry. And I just think that the way the Eagles are have been questioned all week long about staying together and how are you staying together during all this adversity, they have to be questioning whether or not they have everything that they need to win this game. And I, I just think mentally it favors the Lions. And I'm going with the Lions, Tom. I, I'm picking the Lions in this game. I, I think that they're going to find a way. Maybe it'll be their turn to win on a late field goal instead of losing, you know, on that 66-yarder that Justin Tucker made for the Ravens <laughs> a few weeks ago. And You know, they've just been snake bit. So I think this could be their chance to get off this night, and I'm picking them. I, I think the Lions are going to find a way. 
to keep Philadelphia in the dumps. And, boy, will things be in Philadelphia next week if the Eagles lose this game? Holy smokes. It's going to be, you know, you might want to lock your doors and hide your children because it's going to be <laughs> <laughs> well, if the, if, if the Lions beat the Eagles, uh, we will never hear the end of it from Rick Riggin. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, hey, though. You know, he was certainly, yeah. Yeah. You know, the Braves, though, he's a Braves guy, too. So this might be his year for things to turn around. Thursday night, great game. Uh, Packers, Cardinals. Kyle Murray uh, undefeated with the Cardinals. Now there there is no undefeated teams. And the Packers made that happen 24-21. What a great end to that game was. The Packers seem to get into these tight, close games and find a way to end at the very end of the game. But uh, the Packers, Cardinals, any any takeaways from that? Uh, Russell Douglas, man, former Eagles draft pick. Coming up big, interception in the end zone. I mean, they just signed him (laughs) off of the Arizona Cardinals practice squad, I think, like a week or two earlier. Uh, And I always like, you know, I always liked Rasul when he was here in Philadelphia. He was here for a couple years. And I, I, listen, that guy made some interceptions when he was in town. And a great backstory. He was homeless for a while uh, before going to a community college. He ended up in West Virginia. I mean, he's just a super kid, uh, and I was so happy for him to see him get that interception. Uh, I just about jumped off the couch when I saw it. I'm like, "That's Rasul!" Like, uh, so I was. I hey, was that's really my guy. For him, yeah, he was. He was such a good dude to talk to. Uh, you know, had a really good perspective on life because of the way uh, things shook out for him. Uh, but yeah, he. That was my big takeaway. And listen, the, the Packers not scoring on that drive. You know that. It looked like they had the touchdown. It was overturned. They go for it on fourth and goal, and Rodgers has it batted back in his face. I, I really thought the Cardinals were going to pull that game out. And, and I would like to see an undefeated team. I'd like to uh, see those 1972 Dolphins, what's left of them, sit there and sweat and wonder if they're going to yeah. continue to be well, the be only great. undefeated team in NFL history. Yeah, so I, you know, I was kind of hoping the Cardinals would find a way to win. Uh, but, you know, it was a great game. It was a fun game to watch. I love the way the Packers ran the ball. They were so depleted at the receiver position that they had to run the ball. And, boy, they did. Those, those two running backs, Dylan and Jones, man, they ran hard. Uh, real, I love to see a good running game. I know it's not a good way to win in the NFL, but I love it when they, teams can assert that physicality on, on the defense by running the ball, running the ball with this physical hammer in the ball between the tackles or outside the tackles. I love that style of play, and the Packers did a great job of it. It was a fun game to watch. and. You know, you want, I don't know about Kyler Murray. I saw him limping around. I don't know if there's any update on any injury. He's probably okay or we would have heard something. But, boy, that was, that was a fun game. Yeah, it was. We're about to lose a live fever and go into overtime. This will be completely on the podcast. Of course, our show is a podcast because we don't edit and cut. So there is nothing on the editing for. Maybe some of it should be from time to time. We're moving on into podcast for just a few minutes. We won't be here much longer. Uh, we just want to get through some of these games. We ran back behind a little bit at the beginning of the show. Uh, so we're playing catch up right now. But that's fine. This is crazy. Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, joins us. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Make sure that you hit like and subscribe so we know how awesome you are. We know how awesome we are. And we're joined now by Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com uh, here in the balance overtime for just a few minutes to go through some of these uh, other games. We're just talking about the Packers and Cardinals. Uh, and, and we've talked about the Eagles and, and the, the Lions. We've talked about the, the Colts and the, uh, the, the Titans. We're looking at AFC South. Rams just got to show up in Texas and just – 
check off a box. I like the way Matthew Stafford's playing, not a link from the fantasy football perspective, but just he's just a solid, solid quarterback. Uh, and for the Rams to have, and, and, you know, a lot of people still have them going to the Super Bowl. Uh, but, I mean, the, the Texans, there's always – anybody can beat anybody on any given Sunday, but I don't think this is a given Sunday for the Texans. Nope, they just traded the running back too, Ingram, right? So you know, he's gone. I mean, yeah, I mean the Texans are in line for that number one pick. I mentioned the Jags earlier, but the Texans certainly could use a quarterback. Um, So yeah, it's just going to be business as usual for the Rams, and I think they can name their score for sure. Some good games in the NFC uh, this weekend. We look at the uh, Cowboys and the Vikings uh, tomorrow night. We look at the Buccaneers and the Saints uh, tomorrow afternoon. And then, uh, of course, uh, not necessarily in in the NFC, but the Washington team and Broncos. So let's start with the Buccaneers. Tom Brady watch. As we do every week, Tom Brady goes to New Orleans. What what happens here? Are we ever going to get Gronk back? I need him back on my fantasy football league. It's the reason I'm in last place most of the time. Gronk, but OJ Howard, I, I I got him playing. I'm, it looks like he's going to pick up some picks. I'm I'm going to go ahead and play him again this week. Uh, is he's kind of the handcuff for Gronk there? But the Buccaneers and the Saints, what say you, sir? Yeah, uh, you know, and Jameis Winston playing against the team that drafted him. Uh, you know, I I, I think that. Winston's played okay, you know. It's not to carry away with Jameis Winston. Bucks coming off a huge win against the, the Bears, just really chopped them up. Uh, and, and the Saints uh, having a big win out there in Seattle last week, you know, thirteen to ten on Monday Night Football. It's a bit of a short week, but I, I like the Saints in this game. I, you know, it's another divi- division game, and uh, you know, I, I think that uh, the Saints can can get the job done here. I think they have a pretty decent defense. I like the way Alvin Kamara is playing. Uh, and, and the Bucks are, I don't think the Bucks are going to go 16 and one. Uh, they're going to lose somewhere. And I think this is a spot where the saints could give them a, uh, all they can handle. And maybe Jameis Winston gets a little bit of revenge against his former team here. So I'm, I'm going to go with the saints. You know, the team that doesn't have a name or maybe they do have the Washington football team up at Mile High. It's getting to be that time of year yeah. you don't want to be in Denver playing football on a Sunday afternoon. Maybe that plays to the to uh, the Broncos, but I like the way Washington's been playing this year, and I give them a puncher's chance to go into Denver and, and get a win tomorrow. Uh, you're right, and I'll, I'll be in Denver in two weeks. <laughs> I hope it's not snowing. I hope get I can get in and out pecker. before the snow flies. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah, Eagles Eagles play there on the 14th, so uh, that'll be interesting. But yeah, tomorrow uh, with the with the uh, uh, Washington football team and the Denver Broncos, I I do like the way the, the, the you know the Washington football team has played. They're they're kind of like the Lions, and they've been snake bit at times too. You know, I think the defense is, you know, playing better. That was kind of their hallmark last year when they won the NFC East. Um, they're not going to win it this year, which is brings up the interesting stat that there hasn't been a repeat winner of the NFC East since 2003 and 2004 when the Eagles did it, which is really remarkable. It's going on 20 years now that there hasn't been a back-to-back winner of that division. So. Uh, but I like the Red, I like Washington in this game. I think that they can uh, they can go into Denver uh, and they can find a way to win. You know the Broncos were smart. They really didn't do much. I know they signed Teddy Bridgewater, but they didn't do much at that quarterback position. They kind of kept their options open for perhaps bringing in Aaron Rodgers. That's why there's a lot of steam for Rodgers to play in Denver next year. Is you know they didn't go out like the 49ers went out and took Trey Lance. Okay, and 
that kind of shut the door on them bringing in uh, Rogers and Rogers would have gone to, to, uh, to San Francisco, but, uh, and, you know, they, Tom Brady wanted to go to San Francisco before he signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but, uh, they had Jimmy Garoppolo that they were still high on. So, um, but the Broncos have played it smart. You know, I don't think they're expecting to win too many games. They've won three already. Um, tough division. Uh, I think Washington will go out and find a way to win this game. Well, uh, we got the Cowboys and the Vikings. I mean, the Cowboys have won five straight. The Vikings have won two in a row, and both teams are coming off a bye. There's no doubt Kirk Cousins is going to be playing in the Viking in, the Vikings. Uh, you know, tomorrow night. Uh, not sure about Dak Prescott. That's another fantasy problem I'm having. Uh, I have on one of my teams Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott uh, you know, on the same team. But nonetheless, I digress. My fantasy stuff can go on on the side, but he's got to get his act together. It's a game time decision. So, <laughs> I I think without Dak Prescott, the Vikings have a really good chance of winning at home. I hear that stadium is pretty freaking loud too. I heard it was even louder than the previous one, that new stadium. Uh, but I, I think they're at home. Aren't the, aren't the Vikings at home? I could be yeah. talking out my butt. Okay. <laughs> no, it's at, it's, at the, it's at that new pyramid building they yeah, built that's there, that stadium. So, yeah. I, you know, I without Dak Prescott, I, I, I lean toward the Vikings. If, if Dak Prescott is his normal self and Elliott's in there, the Cowboys got a strong chance of winning. And let, let's face it, they're going in at five and one. They have a lot to prove, but even more pe- team to prove to try to stay in the hunt, barely hanging on is the Minnesota Vikings. This has the makings for a very, very good ball game. Yeah, I like the Vikings one-two punch. Dalvin Cook on the ground and then Justin Jefferson uh, in the air. And, you know, the Cowboys defense has played better this year. You know, Dan Quinn is a, is a good defensive coordinator. That was a big big hire getting him. He's kind of brought this unit together. And Trayvon Diggs is just having, a you know, seven interceptions already for that second-year corner out of Alabama. He's He's been remarkable, and if I'm the if I'm Dan Quinn, I'm having him follow Justin Jefferson wherever he goes on that field, and to hope that he can shut him down. Uh, you know, maybe bring some help over the top with the safety. But listen, Dalvin Cook can do some damage on the ground too. So um, you're right. If Dak plays, I think Cowboys have a much better shot. This offense for Dallas is really, to me, uh, basically unstoppable unless they stop themselves. I mean, uh, very dangerous offense. And uh, if Dak plays, I think Dallas will find a way to, to win. But, I, I, you know, I, it's hard to pick against Minnesota here. It is a big game for them. But the Cowboys are coming off a bye. Minnesota, though, is at home. Uh, it's, a tough game. it's a tough game to call. Uh, but I'm with you. I think if Dak plays, Dallas wins. If he doesn't, then I'll give the win to Minnesota. There you go. One more final game, and I know thanks for sticking around with us in overtime here, Ed. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Monday night's game, New York Giants at Kansas City. It's cold. Well, we don't know what the temperature is going to be, but it's that time of year. So we we throw that into the mix. Kansas City, though, has kind of been struggling, certainly not where we thought they would be in in week eight uh, with Patrick Mahomes. And then, of course, you got Daniel Jones with the Giants. The Giants are on the road. They're 2-5. and five. They go into a very hostile environment. I, I think the needle leans definitely toward Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs uh, getting a win at home tomorrow. I mean, Monday. Yeah. Like I said earlier, I think the Chiefs sitting here 3-4 and four is my, my biggest surprise of the season so far. I mean, we're almost at the halfway point. I, 
listen, I would even throw the Bengals in there as a surprise. You know, the Bengals are five and two. They have a decent defense. I mean, you know, I was looking for good odds in Vegas to, to bet the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl uh, this year, kind of a, like a long shot type pick that would pay something, you know, if it happens. Uh, but the Chiefs might be getting good odds too because they're kind of hitting the skids here a little bit. But uh, And, you know, Mahomes I know was clear to the concussion. I don't know if you saw that hit that he took last week. Oh, in that was Tennessee. a dangerous I mean, hit, I don't know how in the world he passed the concussion test, to be honest. I mean, he looked woozy. He was slow to get up. Uh, he was staggering he like he was good. drunk. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm surprised. So, listen, if he really has passed the concussion test, then, you know, we'll see how he plays. But uh, the Giants, I don't think, are ready to, to beat the Chiefs. Uh, you know, I might be wrong about that. But I just don't think, you know, they're going to be uh, – uh, any match in Kansas City for the Chiefs, but you know, a lot of it depends on Mahomes and how he does. But this is an offense that only scored three points last week. I mean, that that is but to me that's amazing. That you know, I mean, they came to Philadelphia and hung forty-two on the Eagles. Now, I, <laughs> the Eagles aren't as good, but you know, to me, they you know they scored on nine of their or uh, what was it? I think seven of their eight possessions they scored touchdowns. Uh, which is just <laughs> insane. So I, I still believe in this Chiefs offense. I think it's still very good, and I think they'll find a way to beat the Giants. Well, you mentioned the concussion protocol. They're very, very tight on that, supposedly. I mean, it's like lockdown. You, it, it, you, you're, you're looking at suspensions and lots of picks and all kinds of stuff if you try to circumvent that concussion protocol system. So we got to believe yeah. that it's in place and that it's working. So, you know, maybe it just – Looked worse spent than it was. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagle on SI.com. Thanks for joining us today, sir. Where can people find your work in Masterpieces? Yeah, my pleasure. You can find me at eaglemaven.com. Uh, that's where that's my website. You can uh, hook me up there and look at all the articles uh, on this big Lions-Eagles game Sunday. <laughs> all right, buddy. We look forward to it, and right. we'll hopefully you get a win. But then, you know, we gotta, we got to help our friend Rick out, too. So I'm going to be happy with either one of you guys winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. You know, he's, he's hot on the Braves. I, I, you know, I like the Braves, too. I mean, my Cardinals are out. So what are your thoughts real quickly on the Braves and the Astros? As far as we're, we, they won game four of the, of the World Series, the Braves are on a hot track to get their very first World Series in a long time. Yeah, uh, you know, listen, I, I'm, an, I'm a National League guy, so I typically root for whoever is playing from the National League in the World Series. So I, I'm in on the Braves, too. I mean, anytime you can shut that offense out, the Astros, 2 nothing. Uh That was game three, I think, last night, yeah. right? Or, yeah, no, so four. they're up two game games four. to one. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah so you're where, right. Where's the series stand? It's 2-1 to one Braves, right? Yeah, you're right. 2-1 to one Braves. Yeah, so this yeah. is huge. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it is, you know, but listen, that pitching that the Braves ran out last night was top-notch. Uh, not often, I, I, you know, I don't know how many times the Astros were shut out this year. I'd have to look that up, but to do that against that offense is, is pretty darn impressive. But, um, you know, that's why it's a seven-game series. You know, the Astros shake that off and come out swinging the bats again today, and it's the Euro tied up 2-2. So, this, to me, I think is going to go seven games, to tell you the truth. And, uh, you know, we'll see who's got the pitching to get through game seven. Well, the Braves have added a, a faculty to their staff. It's called the, the Trash Can Listener, and that's their job. It's, what are you doing tonight, honey, at work? I'm listening to for trash cans. 
That's a joke. Remember a few years ago, <laughs> they, they were giving out signals by the banging on the trash cans, and they, they got caught. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my humor yep, is not, not there today, Ed. Uh, this is a good time to end the show, buddy. <laughs> All right. I, I'm with you, though, Tom. I got you. All right. Have yourself a good weekend, sir. We look forward to having yep. you on again soon. All right, buddy. You got it, buddy. Have a good one. See ya. Ed Crash, Pete Ryder for the Philadelphia Eagles. I really got to stop my attempt at humor, especially like trivia that nobody else would know. Thanks to Matthew Hicks, longtime radio guy, uh, jumping on with us and talking the homework card with the Colts and the Titans and uh, some I used to talk, as well as Adam Jividen, super Browns fan and Buckeye fan, our college football co-pilot, uh, getting us through the college football segment, a lot of good games on tap today. Uh, Steve Wilson, Speedway uh, Editor-in-Chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR. We'll get into the bubble, the final eight. Uh, the, it happens in Martinsville. Uh, outside of great hot dogs, it's great racing. So if you like to watch and root for calamity, uh, NASCAR in Martinsville, it's a, it's a place to be today and tomorrow. Also, Ed Kratz, we just uh, finished up with him. Beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com and our official NASCAR contributor breaking down the Eagles and the Lions, the Colts and the Titans, and you know the just a uh, walk around the NFL. It's Halloween, or is it Halloween? I don't know. It's trick or treat, so you know I should have had my spooky music ready. I didn't even think about that. That shows you. That shows you where I'm at. Be safe out there. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at T-Balance and on the balance the, on Facebook, The Balance. My name's Tom Marquis, El Presidente. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.